Well, it's that time again when the people are off to the races. But the races I'm talking about are the political races. With all the candidates now lined up, they're giving us their opinions about what is the most important thing facing our country, maybe our world. And of course, they have their plans. They, they have their proposals of what can be done. And of course, theirs is always the best. I'm sure that you too probably have your thoughts about what is the most important thing that's facing our country and perhaps what's the best way to handle it. But I think we could all agree that there is one thing that could be done that indeed is the very best. Now we got our slides up. <laughs> that we just pray. Pray? As a series of messages, we're talking about praying boldly. And today I'd like to talk about what we as Christians can do for our city, our country, our world, and that is to pray boldly. Now, somebody may say, but isn't that kind of a, a, a cop-out? Isn't that a, a, a wimpy thing to do? Pray. We'll just pray. We'll just give it to God, and then we won't worry about it. No, that's the right thing to do. Look at what the Scriptures tell us. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Prayer works. Prayer changes things. Prayer is powerful because God answers it. So, as we're going to be hearing all about the concerns of our country, our cities, our world, and what we should do about it, let's do this. Pray boldly for our community. I want to share with you from scriptures an account of what the first Christians did when they were faced with the concerns of their community, and then what God did. It's from Acts chapter 4. This is after Jesus has just ascended back to heaven, and the Holy Spirit came upon the disciples and filled them, giving them boldness and courage to go out and to tell people about Jesus. Well, one day, Peter and John were going to the temple to pray. And when they were there, they met a man who had needs. He had been lame from birth. He was asking for money so he could take care of himself. Peter replied he didn't have any money to give him. But what he had to give was Jesus. And in the name of Jesus, he reached out and that man's legs were made strong again, and though he had been lame from birth, he could now walk and jump and run. And the people that were there saw it, and the word spread. This was fantastic. Well, Peter and John saw this as an opportunity now to teach the people about why this happened. It was about Jesus. It wasn't about them. It was God who had done this miracle. It was Jesus, the one who came into the world, who was God's Son, who died for their sins, who rose from the dead. He performed that miracle. He met their needs. And we're told that thousands of people believed that day when they heard that message. Wow! But there were some people who heard that message and weren't pleased by it either. 
the Jewish leaders in the city. And so they had John and Peter arrested and put on trial and were telling them they needed to stop talking about Jesus. You see, they were afraid, I think, of their own political position. They didn't want people taken away from them and and following something they thought was false. But the apostles responded to the court, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. And though they were ordered no longer to speak in that name, their reply was, we can't keep from speaking about what we have seen and heard. Under threat, they were dismissed. And then here is what they did. They went on and they returned to their own people. It said on their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they, that is the people, heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. You see what their answer was? It was to pray boldly for their community. So today, let's take a lesson from these first Christians. When our community is faced with all sorts of needs, let's recognize what the most important need is and how it can be handled. Simply pray boldly. Now, before we proceed, maybe I should define what I mean by community. Oftentimes we think of, well, it's, you know, our neighborhood and our city. But I'd like to broaden that definition. Our community today is going to mean our city, our country, our world, and in fact, the Christian church. It's anybody with with whom we live and have things in common. We need to pray boldly for their needs. Well, what are those needs? Let's take a look and make a brief list of what are the essential needs in our community. Today we might say security and peace is needed. Boy, when you, when you hear things going on in the world, when you hear of the terrorism and these subversive groups that are forming and creating violence and terror throughout the world, when we hear of ruthless dictators ruling and, and killing people or, or controlling people, we think of security and peace. Not just for what's going on in other parts of the world, but even the threats that are there in our, in our own country. People have always been threatened by others. We look back in the Old Testament. We see how God's people were under oppression by other nations and how they called out to God for safety. When we look at the early history of the Christian church, they too were living under threats and opposition, and they simply called out to God for that security and peace. In fact, we're urged to pray for security and peace because it can affect our freedom to believe, to worship, and to proclaim the word. That's what was going on at at this time. There was that threat against the Christians They were being told to stop talking about Jesus. And not only that, they would soon be forbidden to gather together for worship. 
So did the people stop? No. Sure, they went underground for a time, so they had that safety, but it didn't stop their message. And even though people were martyred for their faith, the message still kept going out, and the church kept growing. Now, why is that? Why is it that such, under such opposition, the church would continue to grow and continue to do that? It's a miracle of the Holy Spirit. Only God could bring faith to people who were living under the threat of death because that faith came from a message of life. You look at headlines of things going on in our world today and we see how deadly threats are issued against Christians, how they're being stopped and threatened in countries in the Middle East and other countries. You may wonder, will that ever happen here? Will our own freedom to worship and to believe and to proclaim be threatened? And maybe it will. As the world grows more and more hateful of the truth and loving of evil, denying the truth and teaching falsehood, it could happen that someday we may feel that threat too. What are we going to do? We need to be faithful to God's word. Now, we may consider the threat of physical death to be the worst. But the worst, really, is the threat to our spiritual life, which threatens our eternal life. False teachings of the world that come from religions other than Christianity can take the truth away from people. But even within the Christian church, a wandering away from the truth, a diluting of the pure gospel that holds Jesus out as our Savior and instead talks about a message of this is how you should be and this is how you should live and that's how you write with God is a deadly message. Now, there's a lot of parents here today. You know, we're all concerned about tooth decay, right? We all are. Right? So, you know, we make sure we brush regularly and go to the dentist for the cleanings and all that stuff because we know tooth decay happens slowly. Are you also concerned about truth decay? The slow erosion of the truth that can take away spiritual health, spiritual life, eternal life. Are you concerned about that for your life? Are you concerned about it for the life of your children, faithfulness to God's word. We might be concerned about all sorts of physical conditions in this world, but what about spiritual conditions? So I want you to think this morning. What is it that you're really concerned about? Traffic mess in our city, health issues, health care, environmental concerns, economic concerns, Security, peace, there's a long list of things, isn't there? Sometimes we even hear the message that the church should be cleaning up this mess in the world. That's the purpose of the church, to right all of our wrongs. We can't fix the world. The reason being, we're the cause of the mess in the world. We human beings, it's our sin whether it's, it's, it's active, intentional disobedience or accidental, unthinking disobedience 
or just plain the old sin nature that we have in us, we've messed up God's perfect world, so we can't fix it. There's only one person who can. God has the remedy. God has the solution for our need. It's Jesus. Listen to what the Apostle Paul wrote. There is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. Jesus is the one who's the mediator. He put himself in our place. God's Son came into the world and put himself in our place under all of the laws of God and obeyed them all perfectly for us so that there is a perfect obedience that God gives to us through faith in Jesus. Jesus is the mediator. Jesus put himself in our place under the wrath of God, under the punishment of God for our sins. He took our punishment upon himself so that we will not be punished but are forgiven. Our wrongs are erased. Jesus is our mediator. He put himself in our tomb. He died death for us and then rose again to conquer it for us to show he is God, to show he is our Savior, to show there is forgiveness for all people and that we too will live forever. That's the solution. God has the remedy. It's Jesus, the only one. Now comes the time to apply that message to people's lives. Look at this next sentence that, that Paul writes. This, this message, has now been witnessed to at the proper time. Now's the time. Now is God's New Testament church to rise up with the proclamation, salvation is accomplished. Hear the good news. And that's what the church did in response to the needs of the community. They prayed boldly. Peter and John went back to their own people and they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Praying boldly for our community. Calling on the Lord boldly. That's what we can do. Well, let's take a look at the words of their prayer to see what they did. It started with the right approach. To have the right attitude in prayer. Let's look at their words. Here's their prayer. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. Wasn't that an interesting way to start the prayer? They didn't say, Lord, we are in deep trouble. We need your help. No. They start out with a statement of adoration to God, praising him for his work in creation, acknowledging him as the powerful and wise creator of everything. You see, nothing happens without the knowledge and permission of God. Nothing happens that's beyond his realm of control because there is no such thing. Nothing is impossible for God. They were simply acknowledging, look at this creation. 
It's God's handiwork. Everything is in his hands. Now, this statement was more than just a, a profession of faith in the Almighty God. It was an encouragement to have faith in the Almighty God. You see, nothing is too small or insignificant that God doesn't care about it. Nothing is too large or difficult that God can't do anything about it. He can change it all. This statement of adoration and prayer was an expression of who God is and what he does, and therefore confidence for us to pray and to act with purpose. And then they go on. They go on to express an acceptance of God's working in this world and his will for this world. Here's what they said. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father, David. And now they cite a psalm verse from the Old Testament written thousands of years before. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. And then the people apply it to their situation. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Did you get it? They weren't there complaining, look what they did, what a mess they made. They were acknowledging that what happened wasn't just history, but his story, God's story, about our story, our life. You see, God knew, and he prophesied, that the people would rise up against his plan. They did it when these words were spoken at the time of King David, and they did it again at the time of Jesus. They wanted to stop God's plan, and they still keep doing it today. But God doesn't let it happen. God doesn't let them get their way, because his way prevails. What it's showing us is that God knows exactly what's going on, and he acts. They may rise up against his plan, but he will put them down. People may try to silence the gospel message, but it can't be silenced. God's church will continue. The world is going to try to do that to us today, too. It tried doing it with Jesus, but it failed. When Jesus came into this world, the devil tried to stop him by putting out murderous attempts on his life. It failed. The devil tried to trip up Jesus in his ministry, causing him to sin, but it failed. The devil thought he won when he had humans put Jesus to death, that that was the end. But you know what? That was God's plan, that Jesus be put to death. Put to death for our sins, so we would not be. God showed his plan continued in raising Jesus from the dead, and then exalting him to be the ruler over everything in this world. God's plan continues today. The work of salvation was accomplished in Jesus. 
the work of salvation for people today is now hearing that gospel message. Despite whatever persecutions and hardships the churches may face, the message is not going to die. It will remain strong and true. Therefore, we need to pray boldly. When we look at the words of their request now, we see what are the right things to pray for for our community. There are three. Here's what they prayed. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. You see how they started out? They were praying for the powers that governed them. But they didn't ask God to put an end to them. They didn't say, give us the political strength now to rise up and overthrow them. No, they prayed for themselves to continue to pray and to continue to proclaim the word boldly. That's exactly what the Apostle Paul urged Christians to do. When he told us Jesus is our mediator with God, right before that he said this, I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers and intercessions and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. God wants us to pray for our leaders, that they will be godly people, that they will be submissive to his will, that they will bring order and peace to our world so that we can live godly lives in serving him by proclaiming the message that all people need to hear so they can be saved. That's what we are to pray for, for our leaders. And then they went on to pray for all the people that live around them. He said, stretch out your hand now and heal our land. Perform wonders and signs. And those were significant words, wonders and signs, because it meant do mighty acts that are going to point to you. You see, that's what it's about. It's about God. It isn't just about our comfort level. It's about what is going to show God's goodness and grace to people. Jesus has said we are to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. We are to be, to be the ones who will influence this world with his truth and grace. Let us see those opportunities where needs can be met and God can be glorified. Because finally that's what we are to do. Pray for the proclamation of God's word. They prayed, do this through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. You see what the purpose was? The purpose was not to exalt themselves or call attention to themselves. Hey, look at us. Look what a nice group of people we are. Look what a nice church we have. Did you see all of our programs? No, it was so that they would know the name of Jesus. Because it's only Jesus that saves. Today, in the news, we hear so much attention being called to the acts of people to the leaders of a church, 
It's not about them. It's about Jesus. In a world that wants us to accept all religions as equal and valid, that's a world that's paving the way to eternal death. There's only one way, a narrow way, for people to be saved. It's Jesus. Now look what happens when you pray. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. God did what they asked. And then look what happened when they spoke the word boldly. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. Do you see what happens when we pray? God listens and acts. It's not easy to speak God's word today, but it's what is needed. It's not easy to speak God's word today and to have people believe, but it's not impossible. God has simply asked us to proclaim his word faithfully and fervently, and he'll do all the rest. There's a lot that we as a church can do. Will we do it? Will we have the courage, the boldness to proclaim his word? Or are we going to shy away because it might ruffle feathers? Are we going to give up because it looks like we're losing ground? Are we going to say, no, we're too busy. We have some other important things to take care of. Are we going to be uncaring toward those who need the one message that saves? You see, the bottom line, my friends, about praying boldly for, community, for our community is that we're asking God to make us speak his word boldly. May God give us that courage, and may he bless his word. Amen.